What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and we are on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we're going to have a fantastic show. And here's why. Because the subject that we're going to cover today is something that I've been screaming from the mountaintops about for a few years. Um, talking about the fourth industrial revolution, talking about the Great Reset, talking about uh, the... Uh, the singularity, all these subjects, man merging with machine, all of these subjects that I've been talking about for the last few years and really trying to you know, pinpoint with what's really happening in the world right now while we're all distracted with what's over here, we're going into a new uh, revolution. We're going into a whole new world and it's gonna be fascinating. And look, I believe whether the rapture happens and Jesus takes us from all of this or we're here for it, I don't know if I even care. Because the fact is this, what's happening with technology is fascinating. And whether you think it's going to absolutely you know, exterminate the human race, if you listen to the, what's happening at the World Economic Forum, um, like there's a lot of conspiracy around this subject, man merging with machine and so on. Is it going to trap our souls in the metaverse or, or like what's going to happen? All I know is ever since I was seven years old, I've had these dreams about this new world that we're going into. Of course, at that time, I just thought I was a crazy person and uh, needed to be committed. And maybe I do. I'm not really sure some days. But the fact is this. Everything I was dreaming about is now starting to play out. And a lot of people don't want to believe this is real. And like, you can't go to the news for information. You can't go to the news to, if you want facts about anything, because they're going to tell you the sky is purple. And maybe it is because I'm colorblind, but they don't really tell the truth about a whole lot. And the fact is, if you want information, you go directly to the source. You have you ever, remember that game of telephone when you were a kid, like how butchered the messages got? Well, the news is worse. But if you want information, you can go directly to the United Nations websites to read about Agenda 2030. You can go to the World Economic Forum and watch the, the Davos meetings. They tell you exactly where we're going. Internet of bodies. When you learn what 5G is really about, yeah, that's going to surprise you. Anyway, today we have an expert on this subject. Um, and it's how, and one of the questions I've always asked, and I'm so happy that he's going to be here to answer these questions, is how does our faith intermix with the changes in technology? Like, is it, are, are, do Christians, do believers have a place in this new revolution that we're heading into? Do they have a place in the singularity? Do they? I don't know, but we're gonna answer those questions. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> The red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. 
wants the finest things and diamond rings, designer jeans, all minor things in the widest scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Been bleeding in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on, spill more. My mic bloody cause I kill more, but I'm still poor. Bottom is where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Plug up in a harlot, my battery needs charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. It's some liquid from my arteries, so spill onto the carpet, yeah. Everybody want fame, nobody wanna work for it. Want them all to know your name, don't wanna see no hurt for it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great honor for me to introduce the author of Robot Theology, Joshua Jackson. What's up, Joshua? How you doing, man? Good. How are you, Josh? I'm good. I'm so grateful you're here today. Before we get into all the fun, what are you grateful for today and why? Yeah, I think one of the things, just starting off my Monday, um, I had some quiet time this morning. We have a newborn. She's seven months old. And uh, just got some time with her this morning about 3 a.m. And uh, just had some quiet after that. And that's pretty rare in our house. You know, um, <laughs> we have three kids. So, but yeah, I just started the day off kind of slow. And uh, hopefully that will kind of pace the week as I try to slow down a little bit and just enjoy life and um, have a young family. Well, first of all, congratulations on uh, the newborn. That's awesome. Very happy for you. Um, I uh, and yeah, you're right. There's something about having a, a, a nice, peaceful those moments of whether it's silence or just peace or stillness. Mm -hmm. uh, all things that I took for granted for a long time until I got older and where I'm like now it's like, oh, is the Sabbath here yet? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I hear you, man. But that's uh, thank you again for being here. I this subject, like, let's just get into a robot theology. Uh, that's the name of your book, correct? Yes. So what possessed you to write a book such as this? Because this is a subject that not a lot of believers really talk about mm -hmm. and, yeah, and it, to me it's alarming that they don't talk about it so mm -hmm. share what, what what inspired you to write this book yeah the book it's, it comes out of a few different sources in my life one it comes out from phd research that i've done on the topic um and so doing my doctoral work i did a lot of research on ai driven robots and the ethics of robots and particularly how that relates to theology, Christian theology, and trying to figure out what is our place in this you know, kind of new era of, of merging with tech. You know, we, we we're already kind of merged with technology in that we, we use it in our, um, our medical spheres. We, we take medicine every day, usually, even if it's just a multivitamin. And that is in some ways an enhancement. And so one of the questions I like to ask is, you know, where, where do we draw the line between enhancement and supplementation? So I like to describe it some ways as, you know, taking a multivitamin is not the same thing as taking anabolic steroids, right? Those, those are two separate technologies. Um, sure. Now, somebody in their 50s and 60s might need some extra testosterone, you know, if they're, if they're male and they are low, but uh, somebody in their 20s and 30s that obviously does not that's a very different question so likewise with technologies like um, prosthetics and and other things like how far do we want to go with that integration 
And then how much should we push back and say, you know what, I'm just going to embrace the finiteness of life. You know, it's appointed once for every man to die. Um, and, and a lot of this technology is driven by a particular worldview. And so that's what it, that's why I wanted to write this current book is to, to show how there is a massive um, opportunity for discourse with the fields of science, um, computer science, um, you know, all, all types of stuff, uh, philosophy, as we, as we try to give our worldview, our, um, our ideology and say, you know, this, these are the things that we value as believers, as Christians, and how could we make sure in the building and coding and programming and implementation of this technology that our voice is heard, um, that voters know what the issues are uh, as it relates to things like privacy and, you know, just giving companies massive amounts of data on ourselves and how that relates to power and why those companies might want that information. You know, most of us don't really care about, you know, our age, sex, uh, you know, height, whatever, but that's powerful information in certain people's hands. And, um, and even with stuff like social media, just getting right into the meat of it, you know, uh, there's an article came out recently about, you know, how much, how many pictures of your grandchildren should you share on Facebook and, and how companies are building out these data models on your kids before they even have, before they even have awareness of that they're alive, right? Before they even develop a persona, they, they have marketing geared towards them. Um, and, and that's a problem, right? And so there are very practical issues in a lot of this stuff. And as I've got into the research, got into the topics at hand, I thought, you know, man, all this stuff is, these are things that Christians care about. And these are justice issues. These are issues of, of racial equality. These are issues of personhood and, and humanness and, uh, you know, ethics and all these things. But yet there's not a lot of literature. If somebody like you or I wanted to go into it and say, what is the Christian framework for understanding these things? Well, there's not a lot of stuff out there that hasn't, you know, been written in the last five, 10 years, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff that's out there is, you know, 1990s, 1980s, that type of stuff. And it's just so far removed from where we are today. Um, and certainly some of that stuff speaks into it. But man, we, we have we have a lot of ground to cover as far as, you know, working with computer scientists, working with um, other tech companies and philosophers and robotic companies to say, hey, like, these are some things that we've learned over the last couple thousand years about human nature. Uh, these are the limitations, you know, these these are the, the drawbacks to human nature. This is what we would call, you know, like sin nature, stuff like that. Um, and it's a real thing. Like, people are really broken. And um, and we, we bring that into how we utilize technology and how we make it. And and then, you know, how it also reshapes us because it's not just a lateral thing, right? It, it comes back to us. And we've learned it through smartphones. I don't know of a single person who doesn't take their smartphone everywhere they go, you know, and, and that wasn't a thing 20 years ago, right? And so that's, yeah. or, or, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard to believe sometimes, like um, just growing up, I'm 33. And, you know, when I was a kid, there, the internet wasn't a thing. Like most people didn't have it. Um, you know, we couldn't just download something. You had to wait for stuff. And if you didn't have a debit card or credit card, which a lot of people didn't have, uh, yeah. You couldn't order stuff through uh, catalogs and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just, it's a totally different world, totally different pace of life. Um, and I think the, the Christian community, we're, we're still stuck in 1990 
as far as how we're looking at technology um, and how we're talking about it. It's almost like if you just pick up any of the books that were written in the 1980s, it's, it's kind of like we, we're, we're still there in what's known as like Web 2. And, you know, we're, we're at a transitionary period now. And it's moving so fast and the computation is is getting faster um, and more algorithms are out there. And it, it's just it's different, Josh. I mean, we we've we've got to ask some of these old questions, right, ab about uh, how we integrate with this new technology. And and some of it, I think, is there's there's room for it in, in our, our view of the church and our view of uh, community. And then there's some of it that we be, need to be a little bit more cautious about and, and rethink and reassess because it's it's a shaping thing for us as much as we are shaping it. It's shaping us. You're you're 100 percent right, because you get into this argument like there's so many benefits. I think about what we get to do. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have our own with the technology advances. We wouldn't without them. We wouldn't have our own network. We wouldn't be able to reach the people that we reach from around the world with our brand of ministry mm -hmm. and like we wouldn't have these opportunities without technology i also know that the the more technology advances and the more convenient things become the further we get away from god's original design mm -hmm. and then you have the whole well we're made in the image of god so now if i'm going to merge with machine am i define my creation mm -hmm. and these are the arguments and the questions that come up for a lot of people that fear what's coming in the fourth industrial revolution. I personally, like you, believe there's a place for us. Um, and I and, and I also believe that I'm not going to sign up for any, the one thing I, the biggest thing that I, I don't, I wouldn't say fear, but the thing that I see to be the biggest problem is to be a part of this new system, we're gonna have to tap into that system, which is some people look at as, well, the B system. Mm -hmm. And and if I can't buy or shop without being a part of the system, then I don't really want to be a part of that because I don't want to be told I have to do something that's against my will. And so I look at that as the problem. So then it's like, okay, well, if I decide to fight that, am I now going to be completely cut off from everything else, hmm. which would be the advances of technology for one, the financial system, food, being mm -hmm. able to shop. I mean, so in your research, what have you discovered about kind of what I've just went over? Yeah, um, I'll maybe think about what Justin Trudeau did um, recently, um, not even related to technology, but with the, the protests that were going on at the border and uh, him shutting down truckers bank accounts. Um, and, and I think there are a lot of signs of this push for a more author authoritarian state. Right. Um, and like you said, there's, there's so many cautionary tales out there about, um, you know, you might want to have some some means of taking care of your family outside of um, a transaction from your bank. Right. Because um, and people think I'm crazy when I talk about stuff like that, like you should have, um, you know, emergency preparations just in case. But, you know, I've been in third world countries. You have as well. And, you know, if you've seen civil war. Um, I think that's just a practical application, not even related to technology, but, you know, um, stuff that's happening in Ukraine right now. You, you think about being pushed out of your home. Um, it has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with your job. And now you're um, you're nomadic. Right. And so unless you have certain 
uh, preparations in place, then you're you're kind of out of luck in a lot of ways. And so, but even with technology, right, it, it's always it's always contingent upon um, its connection to whoever's in power. Um, numbers are a very dangerous thing, and if you if you study history. If you study politics and how it works, is um, consensus forms tell us a lot more than um, manifestos, like ledgers, all that stuff. It's it's embedded with these deep uh, ideological um, powers, and so like you know, to us people, we don't we might not care about our data, or we might not care about um, a certain company tracking our movements, but in the wrong hands, that information becomes extremely dangerous. And one of the prime examples of that is um, the Holocaust with the Nazi party coming in and they used the consensus information that was already set up by another party uh, before them. But because of that, they already knew who the ethnic Jews were. And so all they had to do was look for the names of the J. And so um, I've started to see some of that in society where um, I went to the doctor's office with my oldest daughter a while back and they asked us for our religious preference and i was like she's this age she you know where i don't i don't think that's an appropriate question for her why and i just looked at the lady like are you crazy like why would i answer that question because i'm thinking in the back of my mind of like these are questions that you ask to build systems um that may not be nefarious at all right but yeah. in the wrong hands and i think this is what relates to technology today is you're constantly asked to buy in, right? Click I agree continually everywhere you go. Um, I'm sure StreamYard has that. And when we, we use certain services, right, we, we opt out of our privacy. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, and Apple addressed this in one of their last uh, updates. I can't remember which one it was now, but, you know, the ask not to track. Um, yeah. part that that's a that's a great move towards where we need to be going I and mean, there's still other things right uh, you're still recorded everywhere you go all your conversations are listened to and if you just think about your your phone um, if you have a, an Apple phone it has to have the microphone on continually because if you're using the the voice to text or if you're using Siri you know it, it has to be open to you know, take your commands. And so that microphone is on. There's multiple microphones in there. Um, but yet, why? how simple would it be in design to say, you know, here's a button. You could push it down. Just like you mute your phone, you can mute the microphone or the camera. Um, and I think that's on the consumer side, our biggest part in this. Um, we're, we're not going to be changing Elon Musk, his mind. We're not going to be changing Jeff Bezos mind, right? Um, those are big companies driven by money. Um, and I mean, all companies are right. And that's that's just the nature of capitalism. But as consumers, we have a massive voice in in the products that we purchase, um, the things that we're willing to accept. And so you can look at this as like how much technological creep are we willing to accept? OK, so at first it starts. Well, I, I don't really care if Apple tracks my movements and. There's some convenience to that. There's convenience to the face ID thing. Okay, but what happens when it starts marketing to you based on that and starts marketing mm -hmm. to you based on what you've searched for, what you've bought? And it does that, right? And unless you use certain uh, browsers or uh, a virtual private network, 
you know, everything is tracking you. Everything's tracking what you buy, what you look at, uh, your likes, dislikes. And so there's these massive profiles of us, uh, these models. And why that's important is because then you can take those models and start to predict. You can start to make um, these, these nudges for people. So like, for example, for instance, um, if you go to Chick-fil-A, when you, if you use their app, um, and I've talked to managers about this. So when you use their app, you download it, you agree that they can track you when you come past their store. And so this is what a nudge is. This is what I mean. So when you pass their store, guess what? They see that you're in proximity, you're in their database. They're going to send you an email saying, Hey, or a push notification say, Hey, We've got these specials going on today. So you may have not even been thinking about Chick-fil-A uh, five <laughs> minutes ago, but now you're like, man, I really want a chicken sandwich and I really want it from Chick-fil-A. And so you go and that has now, you know, nudged you and influenced you to make that purchase. And that stuff happens to us every day and we don't even realize it. So if you're spending, if you're like, you know, scrolling on Facebook um, or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, like, we don't realize how much that information is shaping our behavior, our thought patterns. Facebook has come out just openly and said, we, we've done experiments, um, I believe it was through Cambridge, to, to figure out how we can manipulate our users. And it actually, in fact, turns out that we can influence their behavior for better or for worse. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. They spent yeah. billions of dollars. The Trump campaign did it. Um, other campaigns have done it. And and even with that one, you know, um, and I talk about this in my book, like they were singling out certain ethnicities. Right. And so yeah. there was like embedded racism in the marketing campaign because they knew what, you know, what particular type of voter they were going for. And it worked. And so that's yeah. extremely dangerous and disturbing um and that's not a commentary on um trump or their current administration or anything like that yeah because they're all doing it <laughs> right exactly. get after me i i and, I, and i'm <laughs> anti all of them by the way so okay. it i i'm not on one side or the other of that equation i look at it as bad versus evil so but gotcha. they're all using this technique in fact it got ramped up even more like what they learned obama did it then Trump mm -hmm. took it and they mastered it. And yep. then after Trump, then what Biden them did, that was a whole other animal. So, mm -hmm. but it's amazing because they literally, because of the algorithms is what you're saying, they can make us, it's almost like they can make us believe anything they want to. That's the sure. kind of control that they have. And not on everybody. Some people are just like, like myself that just look at everything. I mean, I even joked about this today. Tiger Woods may play the masters. And I even, I'm at this point where I'm like, yeah, it's a psyop. <laughs> like, there's something <laughs> weird going to happen. They're yeah. trying to distract yeah. us. Like, that's just where I'm at because I'm so fed up with it because I know how what they're doing. I mm. mean, I and it, and it's troubling. But so that technology gives people a lot of power, and mm -hmm. with that power, when you have it, you're not giving it up. That's yeah. the thing that's so scary. So then, if you look at the movies, like you know, with Skynet and the Terminator. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where we're heading. If you look at what Elon Musk is doing uh, with his internet service, mm. it's very Skynet-like. And and I, can, I see how amazing it is, and I see all the benefits, but there are some massive, massive problems with this mm -hmm. and what can be used with it. 
And, and it's like, so we have to have somebody that's basically pure in heart, <laughs> loves, loves the Lord. We basically mm -hmm. would need Jesus operating yep. the technology for this not to be weaponized against us somehow. And I don't see <clears throat> yeah. that happening. No, I don't either. Um, and one of the major reasons for that, Josh, is because a lot of the uh, funding for these systems, um, there's embedded in them a, a push to advance uh, the military industrial complex, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's where all this stuff starts. If you go back and look um, at the research and um, just kind of see, trace the funding where it comes from. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is just fact. Um, you know, the military invests in this technology because they want to surveil, they want to identify targets. Um, you know, and I've had experience with some of these systems when I was in the military and they work very well, you know, and even, and people are worried about, like you said, Skynet and stuff, but it's not even that that worries me as much as uh, how some of the dumb AI and the, you know, just the common regular everyday AI, how it can be used for some extremely bad things and how we have used it um you know just think about like drone strikes and um mm -hmm. all that stuff like you're you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of women and children killed as collateral damage that because an algorithm said um you know it's under this percentage of collateral damage that we we've got to have at least you know minimum this percentage before we can clear the strike okay well the algorithm said we're good so let's launch a strike and that directly correlates to the death of women and children based on a mathematical model right that has no concept of the real world it has no concept of life and death um it doesn't understand reality uh, i mean it's just it's mind-blowing to me right? and but then even on that side christians are okay with that like and I've, I've heard people in the senate even say you know like we've we've got to have these weapon systems and like i understand that i understand the the need for security and the wanting to you know protect ourselves but but on the one hand it's proven that there's a, always an escalation of force right and yeah. you see stuff that's happening with with russia and ukraine uh the suicide drones um you saw stuff that was happened from you know between israel and palestine like <sighs> It's hard to deny that these systems cause harm, even if they're purely defensive, because yeah. it's this escalation of force and this fear of reprisal and this this embedded um, kind of buy-in that we have that we must have the the greatest weapon system. We must have these nuclear weapons. We must have because China has them, because Israel has them, because Russia has them, and. You know, like you said about Jesus, if if Jesus was over the tech industry, um, you know that I mean, I, I, that'd be wonderful. Like, I mean, there 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 is no better uh, person, uh, deity, to be in charge of that because he gets at the heart of all of this stuff, and that that's kind of where I want to go in my research and and all the things that I'm doing. It's trying to get to the heart, and we want to assess the the object, right? We want to we want to look at it and. And tear it apart and there's definitely a place for that and we need to but we also need to ask the question why in the world would we build x y or z why why are we building these systems and and what ideology is driving them is it especially for our christians you know we're not supposed to be 
a, a doom and gloom people. We're supposed to be a people of hope. Um, uh, we're supposed to have an optimism about us. Like we, we've, we've read the book of revelation. We, we know where it ends. It doesn't end in a massive battle. It just, it just ends like Jesus wins period, uh, full stop. There's, there's no, it's just done. Right. And, and that has been since, uh, the crucifixion on Golgotha. It's just, it's not a battle that we have to fight or that we can fight. And, and we know looking through Old Testament texts, like the horrible things that happen, um, you know, genocide war, rape, um, women, you know, just treated as property and objects, just horrible things. Right. And I think, and it's, and it's not that I'm anti-violence or that, you know, there's, there's not a place for that in certain components of life. And, um, I, I wouldn't say that I'm even full on pacifist, but, uh, I have to stop and ask myself, why am I so okay with some of these weapon systems, even though some of them have directly, you know, saved my life and, um, saved my friends' lives and, and been a part of that. And, and where is that leading us? And, you know, if there is the potential of Skynet, like it happens through that process of saying we've got to have bigger weapon systems. We've got to have bigger data models and all that stuff. Instead of saying, you know, one of the one of the biggest leading causes of death in children globally is, I think, pneumonia and diarrhea. Right. Like think just think about the massive amounts of, of money we spend on weapon systems. Just on AI alone, um, DARPA said in 2018, we're investing $2 billion into more AI research. And that, yeah, that research is going to, to have some positive effects on society, right? Certainly, there, there's, there's, there's going to be good, in a sense, that comes out of it. But that doesn't make it pristine. That doesn't make it, you know, morally perfect. Sure. And, and, I, and I think we're, we're a little bit too comfortable in that uh, ambiguity there. We're, we're a little comfortable saying, well, because there's going to be some medical benefits. Yeah, maybe I'll look the other way. Well, certainly there's going to be benefits. They're not going to tell you about all the terrible stuff. They're going to like, you know, push, you know, the glorious parts of it before you and uh, the convenient parts. You know, we can do microscopic surgeries now. Uh, maybe we can tell a. Uh, have a tele-surgery or whatever with the leading heart surgeon. Um, you know, hospitals are now building automated wings in certain parts of northern states. Like, yeah, like there, there are benefits to it, but there's also high costs. And so I think it's not that we say yes or no full, like polarize it, but just say, you know, we need to come together and think very strongly as, as Christians and as a Christian community you know, how is this impacting us today in the present, but also where is it taking us in the future? And, you know, in our cost benefit analysis, is, it, is this where we want to go? Um, and and if we can, we're not going to save the world through AI or through robotics. That's that's not the, the end game. That's that's not our hope. But <laughs> but I still think we we have a responsibility, right, as believers to to love God and love our neighbor. And so how can I do that through um, tech? How can I do that through uh, things that I'm, I'm working on today? And I, I feel, I know that there's 
whatever our ideology is, whatever whatever drives us, whatever our fears are, whatever our hopes are, that that drives how we look at technology, that drives how we develop it and build it. Um, and to be honest, man, there, there's a lot of people building these systems without any background in philosophy, any background in ethics, without any background in anthropology. And that is not a jab at them at all. But you just think about engineers and their programming. Um, last month, I got to go speak with a bunch of them. And, um, you know, and there are PhDs in there and we're talking about stuff and I'm talking to undergrads and they're, you know, professors and they're like, you know, wow, I've never thought about that. I've, I've never had a chance to ask these questions. And, you know, it, it clicked in my head. I was like, that's kind of why I wrote the book is to, to help not just the Christian community and, you know, in a license, think about this, but, you know, maybe some professional engineers who, who might be working on these systems, who've never thought about the, um, the negative outcomes of the algorithm that they wrote. And, and that's just a hard reality that um, people my age, uh, our kids, our grandkids, they're going to have to think about, okay, a company might be paying me 100K a year just to code, just to write algorithms. And I may not even know what my company does with those models and systems, but they need to ask. They need, yeah. to, they, they need to be okay with, okay, if this, if this piece of code goes into a weapon system, Am I okay with that? You know, and it has your name on it and it has, you know, your, your digital fingerprint all over it, you know? And, and I think we need to make more space for that conversation uh, in the local church because it's, it's not that we're anti-tech. That's not it at all. Um, you know, pavement is technology, um, lights, electricity, all that stuff is tech. It's not that we're anti-technology, but we understand it comes with a high cost. Yeah. And um, there's environmental costs there. You know, we we have to have the planet to live. <laughs> so we need to think about how our electricity consumption and we're, we're about we're we're breaking all kinds of records um, in the next 10 to 20 years about our how much electricity we consume. And that's directly related to AI and robotics. Right. It, they yeah. take massive amounts of. So even even just like take Skynet off the table for a second and all these you know, like crazy sci-fi questions that I love. Uh, but just in a practical day-to-day -day thing, um, you know, we think about our, our energy, energy consumption and our light bills. So we think about um, our commute to work as more automated vehicles come into that. Um, you know, there, there's going to be costs to that. Maybe, maybe our insurance premiums go through the roof. Maybe, Maybe it's not healthcare that we can't afford anymore. Maybe it's that we can't just afford to drive a car. Um, and so there, there, there's where the pendulum swings, right? It's going to swing somewhere and it's going to cost us at some point. We just have to figure out um, how much we're willing to pay for it. In your research leading up to this book, what was the most shocking thing that you discovered? <laughs> well, this book is fairly positive. Um, so my dissertation was the it negative. Shocking can be good too. By right. The way. Yeah. Um, I think the one that shocked me the most and what shocks most people the most is the chapter on racism in robots. And, and so the whole book is about like kind of unpacking our, uh, ideology as Christians through like the questions that have been asked throughout time. Right. You know, what does it mean to be a person? What does it mean to be human? 
Um, where do our ethics come from? Um, and race is one of those questions, right? We see early on in the book of Genesis where people are, you know, Tower of Babel is one of the, the prime examples where the language is confused and people are trying to figure out, okay, you know, how do we, how do we like group people together? And how they did that was based on, you know, dialect, um, how, um, what geographic area you're located in those type of things, the cultural things that you've accepted, incorporated. But when we think about race today, it's mostly in the means of phenotype. And what shocks people, what's shocking about this is that embedded in a lot of the robotic sci-fi literature is this um, kind of subtle assumption that um, this is a black body. And so there are scholars out there who are not white, who do not share my phenotype, who make these arguments that, um, you know, black people have been envisioned as robots, as machines. And you see that through the Industrial Revolution. Um, you see that in stories like Blade Runner, mm-hmm. uh, where the female um, female lead, she actually should have been played by a black actress because she's very much envisioned um, as a black body as <clears throat> in and used in a way that um, black women were used in chattel slavery, right? I mean, they were a piece of property. The slave owner could do whatever he wanted to them. And that's kind of what a sex robot is about, right? And um, it's just there for your gratification. Um, and so I unpack that. I use I use that as a, a launching pad to rethink about race and, and race theory and what racism is and what it is not. Um, because I, I see that a lot in discussions right now it's a huge topic in christian literature and there's like zero like nothing uh, addressing this massive um moral failure and uh cognitive failure in sci-fi literature and and even our own history about viewing black people as machines and and using them as machines and treating them as machines but also how that speaks to, to how we live nowadays Right. And, and the models that we conceive for each other, as you know, we talk about the brain as a computer and the eye as a camera. Well, that's those are actually pretty harmful analogies. If you really think about that, because it relates to that issue of, of seeing the human as a machine and we are not machines. Right. We're we're completely different than robots. And that doesn't make one. Now, yes, we, we value human more than we value a piece of machinery, but also argue there will come a point where we're not really sure if it's going to be conscious or not, or, um, you know, there are robots that are being built to feel pain. And yes, that's a real thing uh, because pain is just a mental state. It's not a physical property. Um, And I talk about that in the book, but, you know, you can, you can simulate pain. Um, you can remove that uh, and that's why we have different uh professions like anesthesiologists and different things you know pain management you can do that um but anyway yeah it's it's a wild chapter in the book um but I, to me it's the one i'm most proud of because it gets to the heart of the race issue that we're facing and our just massive misconception about what race is and it's it's not about being black or white or you know um, and even just back, if you go back to the 20th century, race was considered like Jew was considered a race. Slav was considered a race. It wasn't about phenotype. And uh, just go back to the Holocaust, right? 
a lot of people don't recognize that the Holocaust was about race. It was about racism, you know, and it's the same phenotypes, right? You know, but we're, we're mass, mass slaughtering genocide of people who look like us with a couple variants, right? But, but same particular phenotype, but what makes them different than us? And, and this is also related to the robotics question. And people ask what, you know, what's the difference between me and a machine, you know, and, and how much if I integrate as a cyborg, right? If I, if my legs are amputated and I have prosthetics, robotics, prosthetics, and, and then organs and then, uh, arteries and then, you know, parts of the brain, like when do I become non-human yeah. and when do I, you know, become more machine? Now, I, I don't go into that as much and I'm not as, uh, I'm not as far out there as some people in this category. Like Probably I still me. think, yeah, I still think in essence you would be a human because that's, that's what your, your final end is, right? That's what you're made to be and caused to be as a human. Um, and so if you integrate more tech into your life, I don't, I don't think that that makes you less human. Um, and I think there's some potential there to be, um, to have some ethical trouble as well as we get into, um, you know, artificial children and as technology like CRISPR-Cas9, we can edit kids, like literally uh, edit the genome and uh, like different things. It has happened. It can happen. Um, and I think in the days ahead, it will become more accepted. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you know, like, are we trying to make a master race? Like we, we looked at the Nazi party as like evil, nefarious, terrible, malicious, right? And they were. But in a lot of ways, it's like that's kind of where we're headed in some of the technology that we're trying to integrate. And, um, you know, it's just it, we, we're not making that connection. And um, and so, yeah. And then the other part that I think people, um, especially pastors, are will struggle with is chapter seven, where I talk about pastoral ministry and using AI and robotics as um, a supplement for pastoral care. Um, you know, integrating that into our church life. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of pushback for that uh, because we we tend to be alarmist about technology as Christians. Uh, but, I, but I think, you know, just in light of COVID, there are people that I couldn't sit with who were dying. I couldn't, I couldn't be present with them. Um, so they were marginalized. They were, they were made less than. Um, there were people who were afraid because of autoimmune issues that, you know, I couldn't visit. So they were marginalized. Um, you know, hospitals wouldn't let me come in and see people even, even when it was the final request. Um, like that's just a, a violation of their human right, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, it's not that I'll ever substitute for human to human uh, love, communication, uh, pastoral relationships, but perhaps we need to make a little bit more room for it in our our ministry. And, and I'll tell people that and talk to them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's great." And then they think about it for a little while, and they're like, "No, I can't. I can't accept it. You know, I can't do that." And, uh, and I, I just think about the metaverse and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, "Okay, if we if we solely look at it 
and I, I'm not like for the metaverse. I, I think it's ridiculous in a lot of ways. Um, but let's let's try to be hopeful and positive. Okay, if we if we try to think about the positive things, like we already know what the negatives are. It's the same thing for the internet. It's the same things that we've been dealing with since you know day twelve. You know, and yeah. uh, with Cain and Abel, it's the same stuff, right? Um, but you think about like, okay, could we use VR to uh, train and disciple uh, people in communist uh, countries who have limited access to internet? Could we could we build systems to to take to them that um, could help train them and uh, that they could have some type of pastoral care in some type of environment, even though it's not physical presence, which I know is the priority. Um, but there's got to be some positives that we can use this technology for and and also say that it, it's not ever going to be accepted as a supplement or a substitution. But perhaps there's some substitutions we could could use it for. And um, and, and now that the covid um, banner has been pulled back, I, I'm not sure that, uh, like you said at the beginning, you know, political parties don't like to give power back. No. And, and I told my church from the beginning, I was like, this this will not go away quickly. And even though we pray that, you know, back to normal, whatever that was, I was like, I don't think it'll ever be that way because of our concession that we made. Um, because I watched hospital after hospital tell me I can't go see my congregants because it's, a you know, for my health. Um, and like, I'll, I'll sign a waiver right now, you know, to let me go see them. And, um, you know, but that those rights were taken away overnight. No, no pushback at all. Yeah, it's going to be a, a very interesting time. And I agree with you. It's just what I the only way that I see this being a positive for believers, because the other people don't really care about it the metaverse being a soul trap and things like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they just, they're going to be excited about the experience. And there's a lot of people that have felt lonely for a long time and felt isolated where they're going to see this as, well, this is a world that I could be accepted in, not realizing the trap that it can be. But if enough mm -hmm. believers work together, truly work together, which I got to tell you, I see double worshipers work together better than Christians. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, the secular world finds an easier way of rallying mm -hmm. around each other because Christians are beating each other over the head over the theology and which Bible to read mm -hmm. and what the verse means yep. and whatnot. And it's like, my God, we got to get organized or we're doomed. Um, mm -hmm. But if we work together and we collaborate on these systems, maybe, maybe it's creating our own AI. And I do mm -hmm. know some people that are creating their own you know, the, mm -hmm. or the, at least you're going to try to go off the grid with their own blockchain technology and, you know, yeah. create their own version of the metaverse for good. But even mm -hmm. with that, it's kind of sketchy because it's like, well, you know, this could go the opposite way. Like everything starts to look yeah. good until someone goes, wow, I can play God now with a, mm -hmm. with a stroke of a, a key. I can ruin your life. I can yeah. shut you down or whatever it may be. But we have to, we would have to have our own community of people willing to collaborate, work together, and have it where there was no real power other than 
when we work together. How that mm-hmm. looks, I have some ideas, but I, I'm not really certain. I don't feel very confident in that just mm-hmm. because of, well, I see how it is now where people are just at war over each other, over some of the most simple things instead of focusing on the major thing with which is i know look and i know how love can be abused mm-hmm. <laughs> i know how that could be abused but i think if you're using common sense we know what it is to love our neighbor yeah i know what it and, and, and to love god with all our heart and mm-hmm. to lead with love i think we if we're being honest we know what that is and there's no way selfish being selfish narcissism lying cheating screwing people over none of that's love so you know having a power trip abusing Mm -hmm. people none of that's love but with technology it gives people that kind of power and that's the 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 risk that we are taking but at the same time i don't believe we stop we can't stop the fourth industrial revolution i don't know if we want to Mm -hmm. but at the same time now is the time for christians to start or believers to start working together, unite around the love of Jesus and just walk that out. And then I believe by doing that, we will become the body of Christ the way that Jesus wanted. And when we're acting in that and operating in that, then we can make these changes. Then we can actually stand up against what's coming and do the right thing. Yeah, that's good. And I'll tell you, uh, You'd be surprised how many people in the secular world are open to us being a part of those communities. Mm-hmm. And many times it's the Christian community that's saying, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Or we're not going to step into those boundaries. But I I asked them, you know, I was like, you realize that, that Jesus would go to the darkest places. Like Jesus would be on the dark web. You realize that like he's present there. He knows about things that happen there. And, yeah. Um, and we can either turn our head away from it, we can turn our face away, or we can look at it in all of its ugliness and, and with the hope of, of Jesus and the empowerment of God's spirit with us and his power to help us push through it. Um, we can engage it and we can't fix everything about it. That's our place. But man, I, I, I know that it's my responsibility to do something. I can't do everything. You know, absolutely not. But man, like I, I can't sit here and do nothing about it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we we've just got to realize that, you know, the world's not going to stop, but we we can join in what's happening without um, sacrificing our values and our ethics and our frameworks. We um, can hold high biblical standards, but also hold people accountable to, you know, what is the best collective good for humanity and. And uh, I think people will, if if we truly show them that we're loving and um, and open to working together and collaborating, then they, I think they will. They are open to it. And I, I'm I'm in some groups, man, that are uh, they're not Christian circles, but I, some of my biggest support in my work comes from them, and yeah. that just blows my mind. That yeah. you know, it's it's <laughs> not it's not Christians. It's not you know theologians or pastors or whatever like all people that should be in my corner, they tend to be my biggest, um, you know, challenges. Yeah. Challenges. Yeah. 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 Critiquers. Judgmental. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I hear you. I see. I'm that way too with, uh, with our scope or our involvement in this. 
and the way our ministry operates, the way that we have been, God has put it on our hearts to operate, it rubs a lot of believers the wrong way. It makes them very uncomfortable. But I'm being obedient and thank God that I don't have to worry about what the world thinks because I can just go, well, the way I can self-check is how's my fruit? Hmm. My fruit yeah. good? Okay. Then I don't care what you think. <laughs> and I, and that sound that may sound sh like I don't know if it's cruel, selfish, narcissistic. I have no idea. But the fact mm. is this: I only care what God says about me. Yeah. If I listen to other believers on my along my path, I would not be doing anything close to what I'm doing now. I'd mm. be miserable. I'd be wanting to kill myself uh, if mm. I wasn't hadn't already killed myself. If I started yeah. listening to all that, but I I trust that my relationship with the Lord is strong enough that God, if I, if I'm out of line, then God is going mm -hmm. to deal with me and I can accept that. Yeah. I'm good with that. I'll take criticism or punishment mm -hmm. from the Lord, but man's opinion, eh, eh, yeah. I listen, I, I would be miserable because I did live that mm -hmm. life for a long time. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, I have no interest in that now. And especially yeah. moving forward and facing these hard challenges, there's not a single church you're the first pastor that I've heard actually talk about this subject. Hmm. And that's why I was so giddy to talk to you because I'm like, you can't talk to me about what's happening in the world without addressing this. It's part of Daniel's prophecy. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're not addressing this, you're not preparing your flock. You're not doing what you're supposed to do as a pastor. Hmm. And that is to prepare your flock. Hmm. So I, Joshua, I, uh, good name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't choose it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me either, but I, I, I'm all for it. Um, but I, I, that's, I respect that about you so much and I can't wait to read your book because hmm. I want to, I want to, like, I want to dive into your research and understand it. And look, I, you know, I'm the wormholes that I'm in and the things that I've learned about this and how it all connects and literally how it gold goes back to, it's amazing how you can tie all this stuff back to Jesus. It's yep. just amazing. Um, yeah. And that's a whole other conversation, but I'm really excited about your book. Can mm -hmm. you tell everybody not only where they can go support your ministry, but where they can buy your book? Yeah. You just Google or, you know, search robot theology to pop up the first couple of tabs. You can get it on Amazon. Um, it's uh, published by Wiffenstock, um, but I think it's cheaper on Amazon. Um, but any Kindle, whatever you want, ebook, there it's out there, um, and uh, it shouldn't. It's not hard to find at all. So, um, but yeah, you can keep up with my research at joshuaksmith.org. Um, I have all the links there that you would need. Um, you know, anything speaking requests that I do sometimes, um, books that I'm writing now uh, about violent technology, and uh, I have another one that's coming out on Christian theology and AI. So yeah, this has become kind of kind of my part-time night job, just writing and, and thinking about these things through a, a theological lens and trying to help churches, uh, pastors, and other people, uh, especially Christians, really understand why this stuff is important to talk about. Uh, yeah. Because the, the, and I'm not trying to be mean, but there's just a, a massive ignorance about what is actually out there, um, what's, what the possibilities are, um, what we should be worrying about. And, um, and I, I'm trying in love to, to help and educate people just like, you know, the process that I went through several years ago, 
when I was learning and researching about these systems and, and systems that I worked with 10, 15 years ago, you know, like it's, it's crazy um, how big this has been in my life. Um, and I had no clue, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's an old thing that we're dealing with now. It's not new. And, and God's been there from the beginning, trying to help us navigate this, uh, this push and, and desire to live without him to live beyond him and uh and substitute him so that's that's what it's about yeah god's not gonna allow that i don't think joshua god bless you man thank you for being here and uh i look forward to uh talking to you again man all right thank you god bless wow there so i i think actually i should have asked him if he'll come back on because there's a whole other hour of questions i have um but we'll, we'll save it for another time. We'll ask him. But you guys check out his book. Go to joshuakjackson.org, not .com, joshuakjackson.org. Uh, you can buy his book. You can check out his ministry, what he's all about. Uh, definitely worth checking out. It's actually a really well-done website, too. I enjoyed navigating his website. Uh, but, yeah, this is there's a lot more there. And this is, this is not an easy subject to talk about in an hour. Um, because there's a lot there. There's a lot there. I mean, you bring up the, the subject of DARPA. Well, you can actually Google DARPA and Google's robot army, and you'll see articles from the 90s. And you won't see a lot of new stuff. But I mean, these advances in technology that he's, he was referring to, they've been around for a long time. And they're just now starting to creep up in a way that we recognize it. But some of this stuff has been around forever. You want to talk about mRNA technology? That's been around since the 70s. And I know a lot of people hear about it because of the, the jab and things like that. But it was used in mind control for a long time. And if you want to have a lot of fun, research graphene oxide or graphene and 5G, how they intermix, how they work together. So <laughs> this subject, we literally could have been here for 10 hours. But anyway respect with, with, with for the sake of time we'll have him back next time uh god bless you guys thank you for being here thank you for all your support again my name is joshua t Berglin, and this is the live model worldwide multimedia broadcast network you can find us by downloading our app on roku or amazon fire or downloading the e360 app on your smart tvs thank you again for being here god bless